0: Hey folks, No Nelson here. This is episode nine. Oh, we're almost in the double digits. Episode nine of No Proscenium, the podcast about immersive and interactive theater and its ilk. I'm your host and the founder of No uh, I Already said my name. Uh, you don't need to hear it again. Uh, this week's guest, Brent Bushnell, co-founder and CEO of Two Bit Circus a motley crew of entertainment engineers who create interactive and immersive experiences that blur the line between the physical and the digital. Some of what they do is for corporate clients, but the other part is for public consumption with events like the Steam Carnival, which you can think of as a science fair on steroids. And they've got an escape room experience, which they call the Story Room, and they've been piloting that here in Los Angeles for about a year. Uh, It just had another run and is due to reopen very soon. Now, Brent is involved with all this stuff, uh, creating, masterminding, working with his uh, really extensive team. Uh, But that's not the only reason that I've got him on the show today. Oh, no. Uh you see Brent is probably LA's number 1 fan of immersive and interactive stuff. Uh like I'm not even going to claim the crown. Uh we have email correspondence uh back and forth. Uh he catches more shows on the no proscenium list than anyone including myself. Um and because of that, I often turn to him and say, oh, so what what'd you think of it? I, I, you know, I'll miss something. You'll get a little of that today uh, during the interview. Uh, and we get into that and all kinds of geekery. Uh, this, is, this is a thinking one. Uh, but first, just a brief update on what's been going on this week out there in immersive land. Uh, I've been kind of running around, so I'm a little more out of the loop than usual. But I can tell you that up in San Francisco, uh, you're going to want to keep an eye out for the site-specific work 95 Rituals, which will be on the Hyde Street Pier starting on July 7th, runs through the 11th. It is free, it is open-ended, drop-in, drop-out, and has a lot of interesting performers coming through. Every day is going to be different, and uh, I kind of wish I could take a jaunt up to check it out. Also, up in the Bay Area, uh, West Edge Opera's 2015 festival is going to take place in Oakland starting at the end of the month. Uh, One of the things they're doing is taking over an abandoned train station and staging a piece there. It's kind of more on the site-specific end of stuff, but definitely some really interesting venues that they're going to. Uh, They are spiritual cousins to New York's on-site opera. Uh, Here in L.A., uh, Just saw word about uh, a piece called The Object Lesson coming to the Kirk Douglas Theater in Culver City in September. I'm just going to read part of the blurb for you on this one. Gives you a sense of what it's about. Here we go. With boxes stacked to the ceiling, actor-illusionist inventor Jeff Sobel returns to the Kirk Douglas Theater and transforms the space into an epic storage facility of gargantuan proportion. Audiences are free to roam and poke through the clutter in this immersive theatrical installation that unpacks our relationship to everyday objects. The object lesson is a meditation on the stuff we cling to and the crap we leave behind. I've been moving in and out of storage for the past week, so... (laughs) I find it ironic this piece has been announced, and I want to thank Annie Saunders of The Wilderness, uh, that's the mastermind of The Day Shall Declare It, for uh, bringing this one to my attention. Uh, I'm glad this is happening in September, because if it was happening next week, I'd uh, probably just be experiencing trauma uh, with the whole thing. Um, also, uh, you know, uh, I might have seen some intimation that uh, the Hamlet Mobile, the subject of our last podcast, will be uh, prowling the streets again soon. All right, uh, enough chit-chat, on with the show, and Brent Bushnell of Two-Bit Circus. I wanna think of a, of a startup here, and I can't think of a startup. Uh,
1: <laughs> Welcome to the circus.
0: Welcome to the circus. That's good, that's good, we'll start with you. Uh, for identification purposes, everybody, uh, Noah here, of course, you just heard my voice a second ago, and with me is?
1: Brent Bushnell, uh, CEO and co-founder of Two-Bit Circus.
0: CEO and co-founder of Two Bit Circus. So, uh, for for the, the listening public. Uh, who who don't know two bit circus. Gimme give, give me your elevator pitch. I know you got one.
1: We are a high tech circus. Uh, my co founder Eric Gradman and I, uh, you know, about a decade ago got really frustrated with the state of out of home entertainment. And uh, you know, you think about a lot of that stuff it hasn't changed since laser tag and mini golf and, and here was all this great new tech, computer vision, laser projectors, cheap sensors that, you know, we felt just was just had a burning desire to be applied to, you know, entertainment and social and and getting people to play together. So, uh, so we literally, so fast forward, we do huge parties and events, bring all our uh, modern novel games to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, big corporate events. And then we also run our own traveling carnival. Uh, it's basically one half a bunch of high-tech amusement and one half a bunch of hands-on projects to get kids excited about science and engineering. Um, but, uh. Like a good circus, uh, this is just the first of our of our many acts. Uh, we'll we'll be doing our own immersive theater and our own, uh, you know, traveling shows. And you know, stay tuned for the next decade, please. Uh.
0: <laughs> so, I'm, Brent. I'm having you on on the cast today because, uh, aside from the fact that, um, you guys have have taken a very active interest on on the producing side in interactive and immersive events, and you've been you've been, I know you've been talking to some people. Uh, in, in LA, some of the, the active people on the immersive scene. And we might get into that if, if you're up for it later. But um, th- the number one reason is that you're sort of our, our number one fan. <laughs> we we have um, uh, active email correspondence, you and I, yeah. and you're always telling me about, like, every show you go to, and you almost go to every show on the list, which is something even I don't do, um, not not out of a lack of desire, just usually it's out of a, a lack of time, um, and, and, and occasionally someone's out of a lack of desire, it's true. Uh, gotta be honest, I'm, I'm horribly honest. Uh, I One of the things that, that some of the other people in the community have expressed to me was interest in you know what the audience is looking for and who's the new audience. And, and in a way, because your interest is so varied, I sort of see you as one example of, of the new audience. So, like, what have you seen out there that's gotten you excited so far? Man,
1: well, uh, you know, no, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with the space, right? I really love it. I try to find this stuff all over the world and, and do as many of them as possible. And one of the things that is so spectacular about right now is it's the freaking Wild West. You know, it's like computing in the 70s, right? Nobody really knew what a computer looked like in the 70s, and so people were trying lots of different stuff. Now, we've kind of settled on this paradigm of like keyboard and mouse and screen and desktop icons and whatever. But like, there was a time when it didn't look like that, you know? And and you think about traditional theater, it's really settled, right? Audience in the, in the, in the you know, in, in chairs looking up at the one thing. Immersive theater. There are a hundred answers right now. You look at folks like the Speakeasy Society, who will sit you down, you alone, with two actors in a in a in a restaurant, a busy restaurant with lots of general public, or uh, uh, you know the, the that that wonderful thing at the Mausoleum recently. You know where it's more site specific than immersive, but you know there there's the the gates have just been f- sort of thrown open, and uh, so I you know I love the sort of total variety going on and. Uh, let me think. I mean, things that I, particular things that I've loved. Uh, the Speakeasy Society has linked up their shows by delivering you something during one show saying, hey, you know, at, our, at our production, Johnny coming in a couple of months, give Johnny this poker chip. You know? and, and so now all of a sudden, me as, as, as the audience member, I have this secret little thing that I get to bring that unlocks a new experience. It's almost like you know, Easter eggs from video games being applied to theater. That's awesome you know uh, so so really excited about that um, and uh, man some of my other like favorite things um, I you know it's top of mind I just went to and see and saw the void um, in uh, in Salt Lake City which is not an immersive theater production per se but is a immersive virtuality like center you know imagine turning a movie theater into Uh, You know, rather than being a movie theater, being a virtual reality, you know, center with with full body tracking and haptics and whatnot. I mean, it is going to change entertainment forever.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, they're... Are are they... Doing you up the way Andy Serkis does, you have to like wear the like the track balls in order to like. And I don't mean like you know, the track balls like you know the '90s where you'd use that instead of a mouse. I mean like all the little dots around you. Is that uh, what they do? They put you in a bodysuit, or so they what?
1: The, right now? Their their he- your head is being tracked the most. Ultimately, your your whole body. Uh, but you because your head is being tracked, they, they're tracking you through the space, and so they have all these sort of foam walls and using a really fascinating technique called redirected walking. They can literally put you in a 500 square foot room, but you in the virtual world are look like you're walking down a long hallway. In the real world, they've actually got you slightly walking to the right. So really, you could be walking for a mile and you're just walking in a circle in real Holy life. moly! It's insane! And so with some creative level design, you could literally put someone in a 15,000 square foot castle and have them literally in real life be in a few hundred square feet. Well, and if, if
0: we are in the Matrix, we may have been walking to the right this entire time.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's really true. <laughs> that's, that's,
0: that's kind of more than a little incredible and sort of solves
1: the holodeck problem, yeah, right? Yeah, it really does. It's um, really special. And, and, and what's more, imagine every 3D gaming world in the past, right? The amount of work that they need to do to port that into this Void experience is like really minimal. All the hard stuff has been done. Them spending millions of dollars on on you know the the, the, the skybox and the world and the characters and the trees and all of that kind of stuff. That was all the hard part. Yeah. Adapting this into a VR world is going to be pretty simple. Well, that's been the thing that I think
0: is impressive about what's going on in the cinematic VR space. And as people listening to the podcast know, like I'm sort of obsessed with that as it relates to the immersive theater. I see the crossover there. And yeah. you know, ILM just announced that. Uh, you know the the guy who did the effects for the Matrix. whose His name is on the tip of my tongue. I'm not going to get it right, so I'm not going to say it. But he's a guy who created Bullet Time, and he's been working in what they call their X Lab on VR, using the assets from Jurassic Park, using the assets from Star Wars, mm. um, and, and you know they're they're looking at this as something that can be done in you know room based settings, like you yes. we were just talking about being done with Oculus Rift being done just with an iPad to sort of like reveal an alternate world there for you. But the most exciting thing to me about what they've done is they're, they're rendering characters in real time. So they have an actor standing on a green screen stage in a mocap suit who's performing a part. And then you can have this interaction with the audience member. And all of a sudden we're thrown right back into the exact same space that, uh, you have in Johnny yeah. or the Stronger, yeah. or you have in Any Lesser's Getting to Know You, which was yeah. at the Fringe, which you didn't get a scene, or you have in Hamlet Mobile, oh. where you're having just a moment of connection with someone else. I mean, there's still barriers, right? Like if I got a mask on my face and like whatnot, but but that part of the equation, the the human interaction, is is going to get more and more important as we go on. Yeah. And you almost see this across the tech sector. Like, you know, they're they're finding out that, you know, aggregating news via robot doesn't work. You need a human in there to do it. Apple is going to have their music thing and they're going to have real people, like, aggregating yeah. things. And it's like, that's, it's, it, the moment is here where, yeah. like, the humans have stood up and been like, wait, wait, wait. It's not just about shoving technology at me. It's about creating this this dimension here. Yeah. What, what, um, okay, tech boy is an interant. Um, what uh, apologies to the non-techers who are listening. Like, oh, they're talking about computers. Make it stop. So I will. Um, on that human side of things, what makes a, a really compelling experience for you when, and not necessarily examples, but like when you're going to, to a show and, and given the wild west nature of it, What's the thing that hooks you? Mm. Like, what's the thing that almost, like, without fail, makes you go, oh, "Oh, I am in."
1: Yeah, the the interaction with the actors, right? Like, I love you know, Sleep No More was like probably for most of the, my very first you know exposure to this stuff. And while I loved the idea, um, oh sure, yeah,
0: we we are. Just so you guys know, we are we are here at Tubit Circus. We are in what's called the laser room. So we're in a working environment. So it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like the, the Michael Tara Garver. Uh, uh, episode that they had in the chocolate cafe, except instead it is laser printers, three <laughs> D modelers, and like what is that? Like twenty people working on like yes. themed amusement stuff right outside. There's a bandsaw. So theater kids, imagine we're in the most high tech version of a scene shop you can imagine. Uh, but still
1: operating, <laughs> still
0: operating, and and do not just. Dis- Subtract the sawdust. Sawdust is important. All right. (laughs) Sorry sorry
1: made your computer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, But yeah, that interaction with the actors, right? You know, I mean, so Sleep No More is that original exposure for me, but like, you know, no talking, no cell phones. You know, you're just sort of this passive observer. Right. But what I've loved about a lot of the recent stuff is you know, I start talking to the actors and they roll with me, you know, and they're ready to sort of like interact back. And, you know, I want to, you know, for me, the future is immersive. And, and you know, you look at the trend of all entertainment from books to movies to video games to the We and connect. you know, you're becoming more and more the character. Right. And so the closer you can get me to being that character and allow me to interact with that world, I want to forget about my current life and take on this other role. And, yeah. and you know, that's the stuff that really gets me pumped.
0: There's, there's something in my mind about, the idea that suspension of disbelief is it is it is like a prerequisite, right? Like mm-hmm. like you you need to, and not even like a prerequisite. It's almost like it's it's not a prerequisite. It's like the whole point is to get someone to abandon the idea that even if just for a split second that it's it's not real. Yeah. And some people try and do that through the production value and the overwhelming. You know, you know, just like sensory overload. It's that what happens in IMAX? Like, yeah. oh Whoa. my god! Like, yeah, it's you know, my whole peripheral vision. you know. Right, right. and like, you know, I'm, and, and you know, the the bass is throbbing, and like, right. you know, gravity. I'm losing my breath. Right. Um. The this the, the immersive theater side of it is that just like you're saying that connection that yeah. moment of I'm looking into their eyes. There was a moment I had. Um, you didn't get a chance to see Hamlet Mobile. No, have I you, wanted
1: oh, to. There's,
0: there's still a couple more. You may not no, have the time, but like, no. and and they'll hopefully remount it. There was a moment, and I'll admit this actually threw me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, there was a moment during one of the scenes, uh, and I've and I've seen all but one, where I was I was looking into the eyes of the gal who plays Gertrude, as she was talking, and I could see my reflection in her eyes. Like that's how wow. close we were yeah. sitting. Cool. And like it did take me out of it because I only became like very self-conscious of myself, sure. but like, it's also a reminder of like, no, no, we're really, we're breathing the same air. Yeah. And, and even though we're, we're talking about, or she's talking about the lives of fictional characters and, and I'm responding in the context of the lives of fictional characters, we're talking about real things, yeah. right? Which yeah. is what fiction and culture does for us. It's like, we were able to explore this stuff. And
1: imagine how priceless that was, right? You can yeah. reread a book and give me the book and whatnot, but this is something that will never be recreated, right? You were there for this moment, this transient moment that is, that is so yours, you know? And I, yeah. I mean, I had the same moment in the, in the mausoleum in Altadena where I was like, God, this show is so ridiculously special because it depends entirely on this space. You know, this thing's not going to go on tour and become the Lion King, you know? This is something that is... Like, you know, this, this few hundreds of people got to experience and is completely irreplaceable. You know, and, and, you know, think about kids today. They've grown up with everything being interactive, right? They expect every screen to be a touchscreen and everything to be customized to them and, and, and on demand and whatever. And, and so traditional theater where you're sitting back in a seat and, and just sort of consuming it is insufficient. You know, the, the future is immersive and experiential. And how do you, how do you get that right? Echo real life, you know, make it make it as close to, to real life as possible, but give you the opportunity to be a new person. You know, yeah. Take on a new role. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean I know that not everyone's gonna be wired for that. I mean, it takes a certain kind of insanity or courage or whatever you wanna call it to yeah. be able to like
1: let yourself go
0: into those experiences.
1: I agree. But but imagine that I think that this is an opportunity for the writers to Create sort of multiple threads, right? Here's a thread for the person who's gregarious and wants to get into it. Here's a thread for the person who's super passive and is going to sit in the background and let themselves select when they arrive.
0: Yes. You know. Yeah, and, and, and that's 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 a really big thing, right? Like, and we were we were talking about about this a little before. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into the, any of that, or what you got like locked down, you're gonna
1: you yeah. Locked well, down. you know what? We'll, we're, stay tuned. we're, okay. we're working, out, we're prototyping it right now, and and I can't wait to show you once it's up and running.
0: But I, but I think I think maybe we can talk in in the kind of a, a theoretical uh, terms about um, w- one thing we were talking about yeah. be- before we started was about. Uh, the the choose your own adventure and and the yeah. te- Telltale's game. Yes. So for those who aren't uh, in the gaming crowd, uh, Telltale, you might remember games uh, like Sam and Max Hit the Road or, you know, Monkey Island, all that stuff back in the day. Well, a lot of those people went on and and they they're sort of part of this company called Telltale now and they're they 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 make games like based on the Walking Dead Based on Game of Thrones, and it's it's sort of elaborate choose your own adventure.
1: Morris Lesmore, The Adventures of Morris Lesmore was awesome. Yeah, if you got to play that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things though is like they they give the perception that you're giving a lot, given a lot of choice. Yeah, but if you pull back and if you replay everything you find out that
1: it was always going to go in you one been, direction. You've been sort of fooled into, into thinking you've got some autonomy. Right. But how cool, right? Because yeah. a book, other than choose your own adventure books, a book, you are a passive observer and you're doing all the imagining. Right? Yeah. A movie, like, some of the imagining is done for you, but you're still this passive observer. A video game, like, gives you control with your thumbs, but, like, it's just your thumbs, you know? Like, the, you know, I, I want more control. I mean, for me, the height is Michael Douglas in the game. Right. You know, I want that. I mean, short of being like buried alive in Mexico, but <laughs> but like that was that can be arranged, magic, so. such magic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you ever get to do the Jujune Institute? Just oh, yeah. Thing up in San Francisco? Yeah. Glorious.
0: Yeah. No, the Jejune Jejun Institute, uh, there's a great documentary on it called The Institute. Yeah. Uh, I think we may have even mentioned it on the podcast before. I can't remember. Uh, mostly because I talk about it so often. Uh. Um it does a really good job of creating that illusion of choice, yeah. uh, creating that that sense that there are stakes, uh, that you have some level of impact in the world. But really, it's sort of just kind of like moving on with or without you. Right. Um, and and in some ways, like that's that's fine, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's some metaphysical level to this where it's like, well, do we really have any free will at all? Right? <laughs> you know, this, like, you know, like. Passive writers on this whole mudball, yeah. but but I'm I'm thinking just in terms of like the the design challenges. I mean, you're oh. you're a designer. You think in terms of design a lot for for people, for writers, and for directors who are out there and who are thinking about this uh, this kind of line of interactivity and immersion. Yeah, what kind of frameworks helps people?
1: Man. along with this? so the biggest challenge Eric and I have had is is, is there's this fight between scalability and immersion right you think about something that scales massively right it would exist entirely on your cell phone and okay that's sort of immersive you know like maybe it could call you and you know you could actually talk to a live person or whatnot but and and you know someone in New York could download that app as easily as someone in San Francisco but it's sort of like an okay immersion now, something that takes place down Hollywood Boulevard, right, like Accomplice, where you're running into real actors, it's a four-hour narrative, it's tied directly to this particular coffee shop and this particular bar, and, and there's puzzles that, that rope in the man's Chinese theater, holy cow, right, I am totally immersed in that thing, I'm, I'm in it for four hours and really feeling that experience, my whole body's engaged and, and I'm talking to live people, blah, blah, that's the other end of the spectrum, right, that total immersion. And so the the big the big fight the push and pull is you know there's there's an economic thing there right it's yeah. if you hit it right with the mobile game like you'll make a lot more money, and the opportunity to sort of tour the you know the the accomplice solution the one that went down Hollywood Boulevard well it's not gonna really tour you got to kind of rewrite the whole thing for whatever new street you're gonna be on, and so there's this there's this. Back and forth between, well, how do I create something that that scales so that I can sort of make an upfront investment in this thing and build it out, but is still maintains that immersive that we all think is so magical, you know? Yeah. And and for us, that's a that's always a big big challenge when we start down one of these. We start we try to think like, well, you know, what are the economics of this thing, frankly, you know? Yeah. And 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 that's a it, it's it's sort of a not a sexy thing to think about, but. Uh, you know, I think it's particularly important when you think about this sort of new style of entertainment and the very fundamental reality of like, how are we going to fund it? <laughs> yeah. Well, because, I mean, you know, it's it's
0: simpler for a company, say like Disney, to fund something that is involving actors because they've got the physical plan. They're it moving control people through
1: the environment. Right. Yes.
0: But even them, I know that they've they've experimented with, you know, live-action role-playing game stuff. And, you know, they've they've shifted away from using actors and trying to put some of the burden on their cast members, and mm-hmm. they're trying to automate that process with the computers. Right. Whereas they've built this wonderful communication system that a human being could be operating so and, like, cool. create the greatest role-playing game ever. Yep. Uh, but they want to script it onto a robot because it's like, well, then we're not paying someone. Right. And, and also on the flip side of Disney, the Adventurers Club, I just read this today, uh, that was this uh, attraction in Florida... Where it, it involved like animatronics and live actors, and this idea that you're like this like Victorian era adventurous club, and they would like talk to you and whatnot. You know, it's sort of like, you know, kind of an immersive theater proto experience, oh, kind of you know with with like where you buy a drink and eat. Oh and, my God, is this still running? No, it's, it's being torn down today. Like today's the day they're tearing it down. And it's been around since, I don't know, like the 70s How or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and and because it, it costs so much to run. And, right. and so much, I mean, we're very aware here in L.A. of of the costs of running a piece of theater, yep. of doing a live event, of trying to get a living wage for actors. Yep. And and there's so many fights around that. And I, I kind of wonder, I mean, like you look at something like The Stronger.
1: Yep.
0: It's a 20-minute piece. Yep two actors, yep. right now they're charging $12, right? And it's meant for one. Yeah. So they, they've got a refractory period in, so they can do about two, an close hour. to three an hour, yep. right, like two and a half an hour. So they're making like 25 bucks an hour, which means they're each making 12 an hour. That's just for the actors. Right. And so they're not doing it for the money. Right. So we're, we wind up in this situation where, how do we fund it? You look at Hamlet Mobile, they gave it away. Uh, they funded on Indi- um, Kickstarter on Indiegogo, mm-hmm. and w- w- it's great on one level. I mean, yes. I'm a huge supporter of crowdfunding. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fantastic. But this there's this kind of like weird line of like, well, how do we scale yep. these experiences? How do we pay for them? Um, who's going to make the sacrifice to mm-hmm. say I think this bo- deserves to exist, yep. and I want as many people to see it as possible. You know, well, so making so that happen.
1: You, you know, Eric and I have always been big believers in you know engage early, right? Start prototyping, start testing, right? Because you learn too much by trying stuff. And you know, we always joke that the things we're the most excited about often being the dumbest. You know, and the <laughs> things that we just sort of throw against the wall are things people love, right? Yeah. yeah. And and the but but Madeline Engel has a quote that I just absolutely love, which is inspiration comes during work, not before it. Yeah. And so you think about everything that that the Speakeasy Society learns as they do, you know, Ebenezer was very different from Stronger, was very different from Johnny, and so each of those is their own sort of opportunity to kind of aggregate experience, figure things out, and learn more stuff on one on one side. The other piece is, you know, you go to approach an investor about something, right, and, and investors are really looking to sort of de-risk things, right? Yeah. They want to be, they, they, you know, they want a guaranteed sure bet, right? And and obviously they don't always get that, you know. I mean, there's there's no such thing, but but they want as close to a sure bet as possible, and so to be able to. To come to them saying we've done five productions, they've all looked like this. We understand the economics, and we see that it really doesn't work at this low scale, but it really works better at this high scale. They can now talk very intelligently about it. That investor is going to feel a hell of a lot better than someone who sits on their couch and mulls it over forever and tries to figure it out, and then finally, when they they, they they've got their idea, they go to the investor, and the investor's like, well, "Wait, have you ever done anything before? You know, have you ever tried any of these?" And and yeah. that's not a that's not good, you know. Yeah. So you want to be able to, you know, the guys who made Train Spotting, right? They started as a tiny little movie, and and. And only with the success of that first movie were they able to, you know, get the budget to do a big train spotting.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think there's something to, you know, a bit of the proof in the pudding in that so much of the really good material comes out of the the tradition that's known as devised work, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, you get the idea, you get the elements of the script, you start riffing on it, and then the the troupe and the writer and the director together build the work around what's... What's working? Yeah, I love it. You know, that's and great. and I mean, I think there was, uh, I think some of that process uh, is is apparent in, in what they were doing at, at Hamlet Mobile. Um, you, I know that that's the kind of stuff that winds up happening in the context of Johnny. Mm-hmm. You know, at at Speakeasy, and yeah, like every time you go in, uh, you, you start to it's, it's more like sculpting mm-hmm. than it is like building a house. Yeah. That you like you. have it's going to reveal itself as you continue to work on it. And it changes incredibly once you bring people in. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the thing that's so different about this kind of... And that's, I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, we get pitched sometimes uh, on shows that, that like to use the term immersive in their marketing. I think you've been to some of these, actually. Uh, and, you know, I get that they're, they're seeing what they're doing as, as being different from a traditional proscenium show because like the way it's staged or like they're not in a formal theater and sometimes they're very good shows like for what they're doing but because they're not they're not cracking through the fourth wall in this way that you know invites the audience to be sort of the center of the world uh because it's not because actually I had something solid was gonna say when I started this paragraph oh, okay. <laughs> and this is what it is if if you can run a show without the audience it's probably we, not immersive yeah it's probably not immersive yeah yeah like if you can run it and it's not gonna change if yeah. I throw people in there yeah you are not immersive. Damn, that's
1: a nice test. I like yeah. that. That's a yeah. nice, really nice test. Yeah. Did it yeah.
0: completely change when we started dropping people? In? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. and it's not like it has to be this massive amount of agency. Like the right. beauty of something like Sleep No More is that the audience is given very little agency. Yep. What are you watching? Right. That's what you're that's the agency you're given. Yeah. yeah. But you've got to give just at least that little bit of control over. And if you if you haven't done that uh, if it doesn't change, and yeah, every show changes when you get an audience here. That's like that's not what we're talking about. It's like the whole thing just would be inert. Yeah. You know, yep. like it's just gonna not have that alchemical reaction mm-hmm. of the audience. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not gonna not go off rails. Yeah. Like it's almost like you've got to be risking it going off rails
1: yeah. for it to count. And then to and 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 to have it also hang together when you give the audience some of that agency. I mean, my big challenge with No More is. I had no idea what was going on, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've read Shakespeare, but yet that was like uh, it was a, I was really a sort of off in the weeds. And yeah. you know, the whole t- and I you know, after I sort of explore, explore the whole environment, I was like getting ready to leave and the maitre d' was like, "Hey dude, like you're about to miss the big thing like at the bottom." And I was like, "Oh, oh, the climax okay." And you know, but it's like I had no idea that there was a climax coming. I had like, yeah. you know, had seen a few kind of random interactions with actors in beautifully themed environments. And, and was completely lost. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I got lost for like 20 minutes on a floor where nothing was happening. Yeah. And I was I was disappointed. And then I stumbled on to like following one actor on a track. And I was like, oh, this is very... This is what it, Much This is what it is. Right? Yeah. This is what's supposed to happen.
1: Now, did you do Then She Fell? I did. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was so awesome. You that know, thing's a machine. Down the rabbit hole. You know, I mean, like like the the, the Alice in Wonderland. and mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think it was what... 15 audience members and 10 actors. You know I mean? Again, yes. I don't know what the business model is. But but for them, the, you know, it's it's so gorgeous and and such a wonderful proof of concept. I can't wait to see what they do next with, you know, the sort of proof of traction there and able to sort of scale that up or whatnot. I mean, I, it was so gorgeous. I loved it so much more than Sleep No More.
0: Like, I'm the exact same way. Like, I came out of Sleep No More being disappointed not with the show, but sort of the sense of, like, wow... I could never make something like that because I don't have a million dollars to create like this in beautiful lush production. Yeah. I'm not a production designer. I'm not a choreographer. Yeah. Uh, I'm out of luck if this is what this world is. Yeah. And then two days later I saw then she fell. Mm. And even though they still had beautiful choreography and really amazing production design, like there were surprises in there that I was like, how the hell did they do this? Yep. Yep. Um, because the anchor was this interaction between the performer and the audience, yeah. like grounded in those moments, uh, I was on fire. And every, you know, it's not a to. I know one or two people who, who don't like it. Wow. But from what I know of those people, they like a lot of agencies in their interactive and so they theater. felt
1: like they had not enough agency yeah they, they felt because enough?
0: because of the be on the track and because the performers were um, really sticking to the script mm-hmm. um they they didn't have as much fun um and you know like this this is the thing about this is that not not everyone not everything is for everyone and there have been so many discussions I've been in where we talk about, like, well, do you design for the Rocala mm-hmm. Like, do you design for the people who are like, no, 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 like, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I think you got to give some valve for the people who got dragged along to something by their super eager friend, yep. right? You know, because we've all been there. I think we've all been the super eager friend and we've all been the person who's like, I just cannot deal with this tonight, yeah. right? Like, yeah. no, I don't want yeah. an actor up in my face, you, so much. you know, yeah. screaming at me like Batman, yeah. like, no, thank you. Um so you gotta give give an outlet but or an out, but at the same time, you know, I mean, the thing is gonna be the thing that it's gonna be mm-hmm. and some people are gonna be really into that. It's like not every indie movie is for
1: everybody. Although you I know? do think that there's the you know, an, an opportunity for the, the writers and the producers to create a track for all of them. Like have you heard of the, the phrase one nine ninety? That You basically have mm. sort of 1% that are going to, and this applied a lot to alternate reality games, right. 1% who are going to be ravenous, right? They're yeah. going to be solving all the puzzles. They're right there at the front of the lines. They're really engaged, hyper engaged. You're going to have 9% that are going to sort of really be excited and following the, the, the actions of that 1%, I mean, right? 9%. You know? <laughs> but they're not necessarily like, at the bleeding edge, like freaking trying to figure it all out. And then you got the 90% who are basically like, I'm going to watch how this all unfolds. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. And and so I think if the if, if the writers and, and producers sort of have that in mind that you're gonna have a very small number that are gonna be your freaking ravenous dogs and love it and they will go out and evangelize and if you capture them they will go to the ends of the earth for you. Yeah. Wonderful. And then the ni- you know, and then and then have something for the nine so, percent and 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 really optimize for the ninety percent. Yeah. Right. I, I think if you can get that magic mix.
0: There's something there's something really wise to that because and I think that anyone who's in the the immersive or the interactive space, you know, should should look at the alternate reality games that have happened. Uh, you know, they, the the first big one was of course Cloudmakers, which was done for the movie AI, uh, and you know a company got spun out of that. And you're talking about guys like Alon Lee yeah. and, and Sean Stewart and everyone, um, and and Jim, Jim Stewartson uh, and some of those guys. You know, you know. They're working on card games now. They're working on other ARGs. They're working at Google on like their augmented reality games. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that, that that we know from some of those ARGs is that they did have like relatively small uh, active audiences. Yeah. But they sort of played out big on the blogs enough that they they became you know a, a sideshow. And then part of the problem was that almost everything was done as a marketing for some movie tentpole. But that idea that 1990 nine ninety, I think that's 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 a good way of looking at it as that you're you're trying to find something, you know, who are you are going to put center stage, yeah. right? And that's one of the interesting design problems. Like when we're dealing with a group, how do we pull someone in from the group to be the active person? That was yeah. the thing that was interesting to me about Johnny yeah. was that they were trying this like ticketing system of like, oh, it's your turn to be center stage and I'm going to swap, okay, it's your turn to be center stage and that sort of stuff. Is is one way to approach the small group dynamic, Mm -hmm. because I think that's that's the other side. And you come from the say like in the themed entertainment world, there's a big concern about you know throughput. Like everyone who's designing a ride, it's like how many people can we get on this ride and push through, right? Same thing Mm -hmm. in a structure like Johnny. It's Mm -hmm. totally about the per hour. Um, And I and and that's where this sort of thinking of like, all right, you know, like. And you got some of that mechanics are going on more. It's like not everyone can have a one on one.
1: Not everybody can have a one on one. But yeah. but that's maybe okay because if you've got something that's spectacular enough that when I pull you, the one percent into the you know, into this experience, it, if a lot of people can watch that ha- happen, right, that's high throughput. Yeah. Right? And and maybe most of those are the ninety percent that wouldn't want to be pulled up on stage exactly. anyway. Exactly. You know?
0: Exactly. Like suddenly you're a performer. Yeah. And then you fade back into the audience. It yeah. becomes very organic.
1: Yeah. Like, and entertaining. Like, do you remember the, uh, what was the point break live, right? Where they <laughs> literally cast the main character out of the audience. Yeah. You know? And it was hilarious. And so you, as the audience, you know that the main character is, is one of you, you yeah. know? And, and, and it's just as fun to watch that whole thing play out as it would be for you to have been on stage yourself. You yeah. Know? And so, anyway, I d- yeah. didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, 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 no. Yeah.
1: This is, this is, this is <laughs> supposed to
0: be me interviewing you. So, <laughs> like please stop me everyone's saying yes stop him um we've been at this for about a half an hour here um let's 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 look in the crystal ball uh, a little bit i want to know first as as, as a member of the audience as like as la immersive's number one fan what you want to see the most and then talk about we can talk about like creatively what what problem you're trying to solve. And I Man, we'll, I
1: mean, we'll, I would I would just love to see more stuff thrown against the wall. Like, I think that we, you know, finally immersive is getting getting play. You know, people are getting excited about. People are starting to know about it. People, you know, you mentioned immersive and they're like, oh, you mean like sleep no more? And we're like, yeah, like sleep no more. You know, and and that's starting. And you know, you're doing such an awesome job of finding oh. all these. You know, and, and 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 the fact that you guys yeah. have an SF mailing list now, and that's you know, they're they're starting to be enough of this stuff to talk about it every month you know that's awesome and so I want to see it you know it's just a ton more stuff people sort of experimenting in this space because nobody knows the right answer right now you yeah. know and yet the tech is all getting so good and the sort of opportunity to do this stuff is finally so good that you that really your imagination is the limit so that's yeah. one thing uh, you know to hark back a little bit to when we were talking about alternate reality games they were you know ultimately, you know, uh, uh, funded by brands in order to sponsor stuff. I actually think that's great. And, you know, you look at a lot of the big ad agencies out there, and they all have immersive divisions now. Mm -hmm. You know, And, and traditionally they were buying banners and freaking billboards and whatever else, but they're now increasingly all really focusing on immersive as the way to capture their, their audience, right? Because people, you know, if we go back to the beginning of this, right? People are increasingly wanting experiential, yeah. you know, you think about the, the future's immersive, you think about your want list, yeah. it's probably not a lot of stuff anymore, it's things, places to go, it's things to do you yeah. know it's 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 that kind of stuff and so i would love to see you know sort of more brands jumping on board this and and, and really creative integrations of, of 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 those brands into sort of novel storytelling
0: uh, and punch drunk definitely makes some of their money by doing that exact thing like like oh So mckittrick they've designed something for you know absolute or yeah. heineken yeah or and if and you view it through the right lens that bud light anywhere or whatever usa thing they do i mean essentially it's i mean it's not an immersive theater piece but essentially like a temporary pop-up theme park in town dude the bud light thing the bud like pac-man at the super bowl like i want
1: to do that oh yeah they
0: they filmed that down here downtown la Uh, oh my god Uh, you know
1: why is that not on not why is that not on tour they built the thing it should be on tour tour. i would do that in a second i don't know how much i'd pay 50 bucks i have never no 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 i'll tell you what i'd pay yeah
0: In my life, I've never had a Budweiser. I've never had a Bud Light. I would drink a Bud Light <laughs>
1: if it meant, if it could meant I could go
0: do that thing, right? You know, exactly. like, like I would violate like a geisha. So I might die 30 <laughs> seconds after it, but for the love of God,
1: I played live action Pac-Man. Yeah, man. You so know? like there, I think there's a real opportunity. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Like, like there's really, an, you know, there's an opportunity an opportunity there. Opportunity there. And so I need there. And so I think for it to be brand fun, it doesn't necessarily, doesn't mean bad, you know? And right. you think about BMW films and a bunch of the stuff that has sort of come out of a big brand backed you know uh, 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 uh narrative that's it, it can be great
0: artists are grifters i mean let's just be blunt and honest about it right like and there's 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 some things that all of us have chosen like i will not work with x right yes. but then the realities of it are like yeah i won't work with x but why their rival yeah i'll work with y <laughs> sure why not because we're we're you know, if you're doing it, you kinda gotta make those compromises until such point you if you've built something, if you've if you've lucked out, if you've if you've if you've been at the right place at the right time, mm. you can go ahead and you know set your own agenda. Uh, and I think our culture as a whole is really focused on, you know, the punch drunks, the George Lucases, the the Walt Disney's, right. the people who
1: have massive scale. Who
0: okay. have who have massive scale. Yeah. Or, you know, who just had, were at the right place at the right time, figured out how to make it open for more people. But also, like, you know, there was, for every single one of them, there was at least a dozen other people who were this close to being that person. And it's just the way the, the, the game broke.
1: Well, and think about Disney, man. They started in, you know, the 50s, right? Disney, 30s? Disney, Disney, I mean, well, sorry, 20s. Disneyland. Disneyland, Land yeah, right? 55. 50 50 five. So that was a long definite. time ago. You yeah. know, there's sort of, they're, what's what would Disneyland look like if you created it today? Oh, very, God. Different, Huge you know? very different, you know? And so I think there's a big opportunity there to say, like, hey, given everything we know right now, and, and frankly, that's a big risk for Disney, right? Because they yeah. got all this installed infrastructure, all this sort of legacy stuff. Someone, you know, who's the super nimble group that can, you know, sort of reimagine that and do do what 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 Disneyland would be, you know, given all the modern tech. Well, and and
0: you know, on that note, I mean, the the growth
1: area for themed entertainment is
0: China and then Dubai, oh my God. and you know, Disney spending like what a billion plus, like doing like the Shanghai Park, and you get all these other companies opening theme parks in China, and you know, that's that's a whole other. Rabbit hole, and there are Alice in Wonderland attractions, so that's very appropriate. <laughs> but there's another layer of it that does come back to like this stuff. Like, like Disney's also looking, like I said earlier, like at the LARP thing. Of, like, yep. how do you refine the actor stuff? We've got issues around, you know, how does how does equity deal with, you know, actor contracts mm. in a world where you know it's not a two-hour show with a meal break and this and another thing. It's yep. like, well, here's this six-hour day-long experience and And how do you structure around that if you're going to have that scale? Well,
1: so here's one of the things I think is really special for right now is think about food trucks, right? A food truck Mm -hmm. is a wonderful prototype for a restaurant. It's an opportunity to build audience and test recipes and figure stuff out in a really low capital expenditure kind of way, right? You've just bought the food truck. But, you know, people like Roy Choi and a bunch of these others, you know, went on to create whole empires empires of restaurants on the backs of of successful food trucks. Yeah. And I think that the exact same parallels can be made for theater, right? So start with, you know, so Speakeasy, you can start with Johnny, a very tiny production for one person, but it's an opportunity for them to build audience and get traction and and experiment and whatnot so that they can then scale into sort of much larger solutions. And, you know, Think about renting out the Pantages, right? That's a major freaking problem. Yeah. But walking up to some per, some some you know a landowner who's got an empty piece of retail, right? You're saying, hey, let me help you monetize this. If you if it makes one more dollar, then you're you know you're getting nothing right now. If, you know yeah. if, if I offer you a dollar, like that's a hell of a lot better than nothing. You know. So you you have sort of a lot of opportunities for venues and and whatnot. You know, just sort of by getting creative. Well, and I mean. You talk literally about, you know, trucks. You know,
0: Hamilton Mobile is in a van that they rented. Awesome. That was uh, up until like a week before it ran was like on like a, you know, non-operation license. So like (laughs) they they, they unmothballed it. (laughs) They built this beautiful... Environment inside of it. It's technically gorgeous. It's it's set decorated well, and then it's just four actors and like the two producers and a stage per- manager like running this little operation. Awesome. And like they were moving it all around the fringe, and they could pop this thing up anywhere because so it's a pop up. So yep. it's like Kogi for Hamlet. I love that. I love
1: and that.
0: then and then you look at something like um, there's a there's a alternate reality game. It's like their first stab at alternate reality games. Uh, the the Gentleman proper. They're a design house that they've done the Houston Brothers. Oh yeah,
1: bars. dude! I saw this on your newsletter this morning. and Signed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, and like you know, like I and and you know, I had uh, one of the people who's like a, a, an old hand at ARGs. Like, you know, like he wrote me He's like, ah, I don't think much of it and whatnot. You know, like I don't like what they're doing like on the computer side. And it's like, yeah, but like the point is for me that they're going to be in those Houston Brothers spaces.
1: Yeah, they've got control of some real real estate, yeah.
0: and that's. I mean, I've been. That's dying. Like beautiful. I'm so jealous that they've got that space. Yes. Which means like I'm on board yep. like you know, and and going into those spaces, going to these beautifully designed spaces and doing interesting things. Uh, like that's like half the battle. Yeah, right. Well, there. I mean think
1: about this is like you know, the In and Out Secret menu on steroids. Yes. You know? So now it's like you're gonna roll roll into No Vacancy or one of those and you're gonna have a different experience than every other bargoer, right? Yeah. Because now you have this this backstory, this narrative, this stuff that weaves together the props in that environment mm-hmm. and you might know about something that's behind a closed door that nobody else gets access to. I mean that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it
0: it, it total it totally is. And and if done right, it's the kind of thing that can last for a very long time. If you have access to these spaces, if you have these kind of partnerships. Yeah. And I mean, any any of us who walked into No Vacancy or any of the other Houston Brothers joints, like we, our brains instantly started going there. And yeah. some of it's inviting us to do that right from the start. It's like walking into the queue line at Indiana Jones. It's like, there's feels like there's a story here. And yes. like, in Indiana Jones, because there is. Um, you've got a rock and roll uh, I should get going to, we need to do this more on the regular.
1: Dude, we'd love it.
0: Um, yeah, I guess, uh, what's What's the next public-facing thing that uh, people can check out that Two-Bit Circus is doing, and then how can they hunt you guys down? Oh,
1: man. Uh, well, so we're, we, we've, uh, you know, our story room we launched a couple of months ago, I did it in downtown LA, it was a big success, sold out. Uh, and so we're, uh, we, we took over a bigger space, and so we've moved that same adventure, our first episode, Cosmic Contagion. Uh, it's going to be open the, the, uh, the end of July, uh, and we're going to use that as a, as a sort of a prototyping lab for us. So we've got some, some nice modifications to that. We're going to open up a parallel unit that's going to be a different theme, so we're really excited about that. Uh, and then we take our huge carnival to San Francisco in, uh, in November. It'll be there November 6th to the 8th. It's going to be nuts. We have over 100,000 square feet at the at Pier 48 right next to the AT&T ballpark. I just can't wait to show you. It's going to be nuts. That's uh, fantastic. But our our newsletter is the best at 2bitcircus.com. Real low volume, once a month, uh, but quick little update on our stuff.
0: And on Twitter, they can find you at 2bitcircus.com. And they can find they can follow you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Brent Bushnell, one word. Uh, you know, I I try to keep it uh, short and sweet, but put out a bunch of you know all my my, my favorite stuff, which is immersive theater, frankly. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. No, I, I and and believe
1: you me, like I I rely on you
0: to like. You're often like the QA tester for the, for the No Pro <laughs> newsletter. It's like, oh yeah, that was good. All right, that's gone. Um, or like, oh, I guess I'll have to check it out. And yeah. and you'll often get the stuff, and you'll tell me it's good, and be like, I missed it. <laughs> Why did I miss it?
1: Well, dude, thank you so much for pulling oh, all this stuff together stop it. because it really you are, no, are, are, are no. doing such an amazing job. I no. don't know how you found all this stuff, and I thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's
0: you know it just it's simple. Like no one was doing it. I wanted someone to do it. I was like, "Fine, I'll do it," <laughs> which is how the world works. Great. So, uh, all right. On that note, uh, we will uh, we will talk to you guys later. Rock and roll. That's it for the show today. Uh, odds are that we're taking a bye week next week. Uh, I keep saying that it keeps not happening. Uh, my gut tells me, yeah, it's happening this time. Uh, but. I'll probably turn out to be wrong. Uh, Nevertheless, keep your pod catchers tapped in because you never know. Uh, Take this opportunity to go back, tell your friends uh, about the other episodes. Um, We had a lot of downloads at the end of the month in June. I don't know if those are robots checking us out or actual people. Uh, I never know. I don't know. I I talk into a laptop and assume that three or four people actually listen to this. Uh, Here's the part where I tell you where to find. Oh no, I got one more thing. Um, Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the past few years uh, covering the tr- what's known as the transmedia scene. Uh, it's this, this edge of uh, experimental, new media, digital media work that uh, crosses over into the immersive world a lot. And during that time, uh, I, I had the pleasure of talking with uh, Brian Clark, uh, co-founder of GMD Studios and uh, one of the co-founders of, of IndieWire, that publication, Brian, very sharp, um, really incisive guy, uh, not afraid to say exactly what he thought, not afraid to piss you off, uh, if, uh, if if that's what wound up happening, uh, and a, a dear friend to a lot of my dear friends. Uh, I, I got only chance to talk to him like three times. Only one of those was in person. Uh, he had this beautiful bit about phenomenology um, and about how you know media makers you know, shouldn't be thinking about making objects. They should be thinking about how they're making experiences because of the way things, uh, the way the way audiences experience stuff. Uh, that speech of his uh, that he gave at uh, the Story World Conference back in 2012, absolutely seminal uh, for anyone working in media. Uh, and for anyone working in immersive, uh, it's just, it's critical. Um, there's there's an interview I did with him somewhere out there on SoundCloud. Uh, uh, I might rebroadcast. I feel weird. Um oh, because I haven't said the critical thing. Uh we lost Brian this week. Um and it, it's hit a lot of my uh, friends really hard and uh I'm just sad I didn't get chance to uh to know him better and to talk with him more um uh, and, and to you know, pick his brain. Um he was the East Coast guy. We're out here on the West Coast. Uh, and I know that there's a couple of people who were, were close with him who listened to this podcast, so I just wanted to mark Brian's passing. Um, it's, it's not fair. We lost uh, a really sharp person. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, uh, you should definitely go check out, particularly his stuff about phenomenology. Um, it, it's, it's so key, and it'll, it'll, it'll help you reframe maybe the way you're thinking about this stuff. I know it did for me. All right. Um, hey, uh, here's how you can find us, and uh, and here's where I may be dropping some of that material into the streams. No Proscenium's on Twitter at No Persinium. I'm on Twitter at Noah J Nelson. Those are all one word. Uh, no Proscenium's on Facebook. Search for it. Uh, no Persinium, uh has a po- uh, Patreon that supports this podcast for nine dollars away from the goal. Yeah, shut up, Noah. Uh, Patreon.com slash No There's the Medium collection, medium.com slash no dash proscenium. You can find reviews and whatnot there. Um, Golly gee lookers, uh, honestly, if you plug no proscenium into Google with quotes, you'll probably find us, I mean, at this point. Um, Hey, uh, thanks to all the Patreon backers. Uh, I'm going to get that better microphone uh, very soon, uh, one way or another. Uh, it, it'll it'll be great if you know we actually hit the milestone goal, but you know, I'll fudge it. Um, that's it for now. Uh, hopefully a show next week. If not, definitely a show uh, two weeks from now. Already got that one lined up. Uh, and just you know, uh, be good to each other and uh, and uh, and make amazing experiences. Until next time. I'm Noah Nelson. I'll see you at the show.